Hello, this is Reverend Colette Duval-Pondella. Welcome to our Wolf Wisdom Gathering in Nature's Classroom on Nature's Path. Today, to help us relieve a lot of the stresses in our lives, I have invited our hyper-precious Taya. And she's here to help me talk about just breathe. So here we go. Good morning. This is Taya. Taya means precious. Taya is the runt of the litter of our six-pack that were all born at the same time. I know. Now, Taya is one of those um, fussy wolves. You don't see it when she's meeting people, but she's kind of like in the middle part of her pack ranking, and she kind of fusses up and fights down. So there are some sisters that she doesn't get quite along with very well. And um, she's also kind of hyper. You know, there's a lot, of the, a lot of the females hang out with the mom to protect her. That's part of their position in the pack. So wherever mom is, that's where they are. This one is like, hi, mom, hi, mom, hi, mom. Can I go out now? Can I go out now? <laughs> so she's always outside. And um, because of that, she has to babysit the puppy. Now, the puppy is like this now. <laughs> she's the babysitter, the little runt. And so she gets a lot of stress. You know, she handles a lot of stress, just like any other mommy or any other person in a young one's care that has to teach. And so she's taken on that level of stress for us, and then that's our job to make sure that we kind of alleviate that stress, give her what she needs, and that she gets to come in, and we trade out for the mean babysitter. Right now, he's with the mean babysitter, and that's Kachina. <laughs> Oh, good girl. You want to lay down? Nice job. So Kachina is our Omega, who actually gets pushed around by every other wolf because she's at the bottom pack ranking. But when you put her with the puppy, she's like, don't you mess with me. <laughs> she puts him down on his back, and he exposes his belly. But one of the things about the Omegas is that they are for stress relief also. So um, she initiates play. And so he gets to play with her. The others don't play with him. They just boss him or they deal with him. But she puts him in his place and then she plays with him. So he gets the best of both of these worlds. We give her a break as much as we can. And today she is um, here to help me talk about Just Breathe. And in honor of this anniversary of um, the assassination of Martin Luther King, he said this, as my sufferings mounted, I soon realized that there were two ways in which I could respond to my situation, either to react with bitterness or seek to transform the suffering into a creative force. I decided to follow the latter course. We're gonna talk a lot about what to do with our stresses today. Just breathe. <laughs> For those of you who haven't been here before, I sing an opening meditative song. So just relax in your chair, basically. Just breathe into it. Mother Earth has your chair. You can't fall. So just let whatever is holding on go for now.
protection from a mother's warm embrace. We are held in the hands of grace. We are held in the hands of grace. Forever safe in the arms of love. Like a child Here's what I know, and I believe that there is a creative force, an energy, many people call it by different names, whatever it is that you resonate with. It is intelligent and we are made from it. Everything seen and unseen has been created with this beautiful, magnificent, powerful energy. And that I am and you are, we are perfect, whole, complete, mathematically correct, manifestations of this creative energy along with every other living organism in the planet that we know and that we don't know. And that I believe that you are here for a divine purpose and that only that purpose can be served by you personally. Your unique talents are here to execute whatever you came to do and what you ever came to be. So think of the most magnificent thing on the planet and it's not possible that it can be more magnificent than you. We are equal in this power to manifest our heart's desires and go out into this world and help each other manifest and meet those expectations. I'm so grateful for this knowledge. I'm so grateful for your presence and letting me share my message with you. I'm grateful for all the good that has come to me, the good that is here now and the good is coming always throughout infinity. I believe this and know it to be true and I release these words into the hands of grace, knowing that they are done in this mind and that we all get what we need. And so it is, you can say amen, namaste, aho is the Native American. I, um, I shared this post on Facebook this week and it is probably the most commented on posts that I've ever done. And let me read it to you. It's from Whispers of the Soul. The reality is that you will grieve forever. You will not get over the loss of a loved one. You will learn to live with it. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same. Nor should you be the same, nor would you want to. Talk about ahos all over the place. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It was confirmed one comment after the other. You know, and this idea of grief is uh, really interesting. And um, I'm a big fan of Grey's Anatomy. It was on last night. Well, it's probably been on, and I just DVR it, but I get to watch it on Saturday nights. And um, one of the doctors in the show was having a crisis of faith. 
when she was treating a rabbi who um, was dying from just an allergic reaction to a medication that they were giving him to try and save his life. And he was schooling her because he knew he was dying. And um, basically he said this. He said, what we know is that we live in a world that is broken in need and in pain. And it is our job to fix it. That's what we're here for. Now that simplifies an idea that I'm not going to like promote because I think that, you know, <laughs> the world is a beautiful place. And you have those things. Because I don't believe that we were meant to suffer, but I do know that we do. And that, that, that idea of suffering through your stresses and suffering through what goes on in life is more de uh, a domesticated um, uh, concept and um, training than one that sets you free and makes it easier and more palpable to live in this life that does have a lot of despair, that does have a lot of pain, that does have a lot of people in need. But I did go and I looked up this concept in the Jewish faith. And they say this, true repair begins when we acknowledge the impact of broken relationships on this planet. There's nothing as whole as a broken heart. It is in the creation of holy spaces where we can share and name our grief that the possibility of healing begins. This is nature's path healing center because we believe that it happens in nature, that we can offer that, that we have these creatures that look at you and all they see is a perfect, whole, complete, loving creature in you. And you get to experience that. That's why you would come here. That's what we raised them for because we knew they innately had that in them to offer that to we human beings. Otherwise, the domestic dog would not exist. Man's best friend that came from this creature. It's 40,000 years old. That's how long you can trace back for sure that the domestic dog has been around. 40,000 years they have been giving us this healing, being near us, being close to us, giving us sustenance, sharing the world with us. It is in the creation of holy spaces where we can share and name our grief that the possibility of healing begins. Why else would you need a spiritual process? Honestly, why else would you need healers? <laughs> why else would we need each other, you know, to come to each other, to help each other through the times that aren't filled with joy, that aren't filled with happiness, that aren't filled with dance and song? So we can be together and heal each other through. True repair begins only when we acknowledge the impact of shattered human relationships on the life of this planet. May we publicly name all the brokenness of our world in our holiest spaces, in our homes, our synagogues, and our streets so that our tears can begin to bring healing and the true wholeness of a broken heart. The bereaved, and especially those that have suffered painful loss, often live their life with two compartments within one heart the whole and the broken, side by side. To be a good friend is to know this and to be respectful of the brokenness that always remains. Rabbi Elliot uh, Kukla said that. 
China Melville says this, in time, in time they tell me, I'll not feel so bad. I don't want time to heal. There's a reason I'm like this. I want time to set me ugly and knotted with loss of you marking me. I won't smooth you away. I can't say goodbye. That's where you start with a loss. You know, not wanting to let go. Not wanting to keep them around, wanting them back, right? That's where you start with especially a, a heavy loss in your heart. And I don't care whether it's a person, an animal, a job, a home, you know, a dream. We have losses all the time and go through them all the time. And um, our social circles just say, okay, just get over it now. It's time to get over it now. <laughs> and then that inauthenticity to be around the people, even the people that you love. Do you know what I mean? The inauthentic that person that has to be, you know, covering the pain because we don't consider that whole heart. Do you know what I mean? That it lives side by side. That you've got the grief that you have and you've got the wholeness that you have and they live inside of each other and work together with each other. And I love that part is just acknowledge it. Be where you are. Cry when you need to. I cannot tell you how many people that I meet, and I'm saying like this just this last week, where the first things out of their mouth is, I just hate people. They meet the animals and they go, oh, give me the four-leggeds anytime because <laughs> I just hate people, right? And then they tell me why they hate them. We just met a woman who was at um, Standing Rock. And she was with the natives and while trying to protect the land and trying to protect the water. And um, she left as soon as the tanks rolled in, you know. And then she comes from this perspective, her experience of, I hate people because people can be this to other people. Now, I'm not saying that that's not true. But hating people is not going to help us heal each other. Hi, come on in. My best friend growing up, um, I'm going to get a little emotional. She gave me this ring when I was 12, 1968. <laughs> and I lost the stone twice, and I haven't had it for about a year, and I just got it back, so... She's on my mind a lot. But um, she lost her daughter when she was 23 to a um, drunk driver incident. And um, I flew out to be with her, and there were like 22 family members that were staying at the house. Do you know what I mean? And all I could kind of observe was all of this overwhelm, you know. And um, she um, believes in the Catholic faith, so... So it was a lot of um, uh, ritual around that belief system, which is not, I'm not saying anything bad about it, but she was a, like she was a hostess. She had just lost her daughter, and she was a hostess. You know, everybody's trying to help. Everybody's trying to feed each other, and she's, 
she can't grieve because she's got to make the phone call. She's got to make the arrangements. She's got to go and plan it. She's got to show up and meet and greet people as they come by and say, I, 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 I marveled at her ability to stand up through this process. And I had read that the worst time for people is when everybody goes. Do you know what I mean? So there's this whirlwind, do you know what I mean, to do the wakes and the funeral processes and getting it all done and getting it all quiet and then everybody says goodbye and they get on their planes and they go back to their lives and you're left without people now. And so I stayed behind for a couple of days. And I literally just listened to her talk about her beautiful daughter, her whole life. That's all I did for three days, was just listen to her talk about her daughter. Taya, come here. Taya, move up. Can I take you off? I take the leash off. Good girl. You don't need that restriction. You go play. But I knew she wasn't done yet, and she wasn't going to be done yet, you know? And, um... It's unimaginable to think about losing a child, you know, from her benefit to my benefit. And so this, this thing about, you know, trying to hold yourself up through that. Now, I know they sit Shiva in the Jewish faith. There's all kinds of different, you know, communities. Shiva, they, seven days, they just cover the mirrors so that you can just do whatever you need to do. You lay on the floor. People come lay on the floor with you. <laughs> I find this a beautiful thing. The children get fed, you know, without you having to feed them. The community takes care of all those peripherals so that you don't have to. And seven days seems like not, it just seems like a, you know, a flyby, but it's a, it's a acknowledgement of grief. Elizabeth Gilbert says, I want to call a timeout to demand that everything just stop until I can understand everything. <laughs> I'm actually in that place right now, you know? I'll just be honest with you. I am in this place where can we just stop for a minute? Can we just stop till I figured this out? And yet I can't. I, there's a schedule, there's clients, there's people coming up, there's work, there's animals to be fed, there's this, you know? And so sometimes you just have to sit and breathe and give yourself a break, even if there's a, a society around you that doesn't believe that that's what you do. I've talked about this before. I used to teach acting. The hardest thing that you can learn as an actor is that you have to cry in public, you know? So people go to acting class, spend a fortune to learn to cry in public. And why is it, why is it so hard? Because where do we cry? We go to our bedrooms, we close the lights, and we put a pillow over our face and cry in that. We can't even do it in front of ourselves. And not just because it's painful. That's why it's painful. That's why you have to hide into it. It's because it hurts. 
And depending on what level of grief you're in, the more you cry and the more you give into it, you don't know that you can get, that you're not going to get just lost in it and that you won't wake up and stand up and come back out of it. Anne Lamont says this, and I felt like my heart had been so thoroughly and irreparably broken that there could be no real joy again, that at best there might eventually be a little contentment. Everyone wanted me to get help and rejoin life, pick up the pieces and move on, and I tried to, I wanted to, but I just had to lie in the mud with my arms wrapped around myself, eyes closed, grieving until I didn't have to anymore. Now, somebody would read that and say, that's a bad thing. That you don't want to be there. No, it doesn't feel good. But the alternative to that is losing yourself in an inauthentic presentation, and it catches up to you. Because there's no healing in that. In fact, it delays the healing. Paul and I met almost 10 years ago in June. And one of the first things that happened is Shadow. Shadowland Foundation is named after this beautiful black being. And uh, she was diagnosed with cancer. And I come from a holistic background, a healing background. And I have to tell you, we did everything we could to save her. Now, it just depends on your idea of what saving means. Do you know what I mean? But at the time, that meant saving her life, and nothing else was acceptable. And it took a long time. It took a lot of faith. I had a crisis of faith because we didn't save her. And I spent a lot of time just covering up with this spiritual practice <laughs> and with my friends, you know what I mean? And that... Um, and I still honored her life, but we still grieved and grieved and grieved. Takoda, who she raised, who, you're, who you guys have met and who you know and who you will meet. Takoda, there's a, a tree on the side yard that, we, that, with the, that the Girl Scouts helped us plant with some of her ashes. And then um, Paul brought home a little uh, statue of a wolf, and I painted it for his birthday to look just like her. And she sits there. But Takoda laid on the spot where she laid, where she was recovering and actually just chose that was her spot to go. And um, he laid there for three months. Every single day he laid there for three months until one day he didn't have to sleep there anymore. And you watch them go through what they go through, you know? Was it seven days? It was three months is what he needed. Now, I didn't scoop him up. I didn't make him come in. I didn't make him rise to the occasion, <laughs> you know? Think about it. I didn't try to change his mood. I just watched him grieve and got the message from myself. Now, look at my face. She died seven years ago. Am I over it? 
Why should I be? <laughs> Why should I be? She's still here with us. I talk to her. <laughs> she gives me joy. As a matter of fact, when we let her go, I closed my eyes and I felt her. I saw her healthy. She licked my face and ran off into the forest of heaven. And um, that's my last memory of her. So I know that too. The legacy that she helped build here. Without her, we wouldn't be standing. I wouldn't be standing here right now. These guys wouldn't exist. But that's my experience. It's a part of who I am. It tells me I have the ability to love. It tells me and informs me to have compassion who, for people who are going through the same thing. Because here's what happens when you engage in the inauthentic way to be who you are and live through this life of stress. Do you know what I mean? We start to anesthetize. So the denial starts with um, anger. That's, you know what I mean? It's like if you guys know the, the stages of grief, people will live their whole lives in that anger part and never get past that part. And you can go back and forth between those things. So if you get stuck in that anger, guess what you get? I hate people. And then that's the life you live. I hate people. It informs every single else that we do. I hate people. And then that turns into a pill because that's too hard to take or a bottle because that's too hard to take or ingesting more food than your body can handle because that's too hard to take. And then it turns into guns, and then we were talking about war, and then we're talking about even more. And so your suffering turns into more suffering and more suffering and more suffering, which is what I think the message of this um, Jewish idea, you know, is that it's both. We, ha we are not broken. Even though you feel a broken heart, you are whole with that brokenness. And when we make room for each other to have those emotions and to have that grief and let everybody know that we're there for them, it's our job to fix it. It's not really, the thing that will fix it is to end man's suffering by being good to each other. Last week, the Surgeon General suggested that everybody buy an opioid antidote and keep it in your homes just like you do an EpiPen. Think about it. Think about it. Why do we look at what the suffering is coming from? Do you know what I mean? for that epidemic to exist on that level and address that. Address that. Not with hate and disgust over the fact that addiction exists, <laughs> you know? For everybody who's been an addict of something in the room, you know? 
Don't attack the person. Attack the cause. We can alleviate suffering by recognizing it for what it is and addressing it. It's the suffering that we, we need to work on. Rupi Kaur says this, do not look for healing at the feet of those who broke you. I think that's about revenge, right? <laughs> what is that they say? A revenge is the poison that you take hoping that the other person will die. <laughs> Don't look for healing there. Honestly, if someone did something that broke you, they are broken already. They cannot help fix you. Now, if they get some healing and they want to come and make an amends, that goes a long way to healing. But don't expect it. And don't go looking for it there. Once it's broken, guys, it's broken. There's only so much the person who inflicted the pain can do for your healing process. As fair as, uh, as unfair as that seems, that's all you can, it's just a fact. It's just a fact. You have to surround yourself by really, really smart people and wise people who've been through what you've been through and have open arms to help you through. Marianne Williamson says, each of us has a unique part to play in the healing of the world. Why? Because... I don't know what other choice we have. We either continue to inflict wounds or we become part of the healing process. You've got a choice. You're either going to hate or you're going to love. I say it every single week. It sounds cliche, but love is the answer. It is the only answer. But you have to start with yourself. If you're hurting, you have to love yourself through that process. Otherwise, you will take your inauthentic, do you know what I mean? That authentic message to a person who is in real true need and teach them how to do it inauthentically too and cause more and more and more damage to the human spirit and to the human condition. Fear keeps us focused on the past or worried about the future. If we can acknowledge our fear, we can realize that right now we are okay. Right now, today, we are still alive and our bodies are working marvelously. Our eyes can see the beautiful sky. Our ears can still hear the voices of our loved ones. That's Thich Nhat Hanh. Jason Mraz says this, transformation is my favorite game and in my experience, anger and frustration are the result of you not being authentic somewhere in your life or with someone in your life. Being fake about anything creates a block inside of you. Life can't work for you if you don't show up as you. You have nobody to please except this ideal that is you, the unique person that you are, the loving spirit that you were made from. If you're in an environment where that is not accepted, Welcome to the club. <laughs> That's not going away. 
but you can make a dent in it if you show up as you. With all the hurt, with all the pain, with all the loss, with all of it. All of it. I talk about heart's desire every week. Follow it and your dreams will come true. Look at this barn. It's a manifestation of a dream. Or I could focus on the fact that Shadow had cancer and then we got Dakota help to help her um, on Paul's watch. <laughs> Dakota and Alaska got together. We had a six-pack and got evicted from our home with the threat of coming to take the animals. And you know what that means. At the height of the real estate market crash, when nobody was lending anything to anybody. We arrived here with $40 to our name. And no propane <laughs> in the middle of winter. <laughs> That's true. Yes. <laughs> and for the last, last seven years since we just celebrated our anniversary here, it's every single week there's another thing. Now just tell me they're not experiencing that too. Right? So you breathe. You have to breathe. And you have to acknowledge it. And you have your special holy places. Like it said, you have your special holy people. You know that burden basket idea that we do at the end of our... Um, our talks every week, that burden basket, the Native Americans used to believe that, especially the women, that they shouldn't carry more than they could bear. Because they were so valuable, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't afford to lose a tribal, you know, valuable person to an injury. And so they weren't allowed to carry more than they could bear. And then when they emptied it, it went on their lodges to remind themselves not to take their burdens into their homes, their sacred places. <laughs> also, <laughs> reminded people coming over to visit not to bring their burdens to your holy place either. Right? And that's what they did ceremonies for. Your holy spaces are for you to heal. Your holy spaces are for you to hold each other. Your holy spaces are for you to eat and break bread together and share your love for each other and look at each other's in the eyes and be there, hearts on hearts, acknowledging all the bad stuff, but also celebrating the good stuff, which gets lost in this struggle. Sylvester Stallone says, it ain't how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Big fan. If you know the Rocky story, you know his story. You know? Especially, man. Rumi says this, the wound is the place where light enters you. I know that I can feel the room. Do you know what I mean? I know it's resonating with me because we experience it. If you cannot feel for each other, then you do not have a heart that has love in it. 
Are you something to be proud of if you get sad? It's something to be proud of if you hurt. It's something to be proud of, your humanity. It makes you a better person if you can embrace it rather than deny it and push it away. When your heart is open, light comes in and light goes out. And sometimes the pain is so unbearable that you need help for that, and that's what healers are for. Seek them out. Find somebody that gets you, that helps you, that understands it. There are many, many, many forms of um, therapy. I've done a lot of them. <laughs> and every single one of them have helped me. Or I wouldn't be standing here today. What happens when people open their hearts? They get better. That's Haruki Murakami. Nicholas Sparks says, the emotion that can break your heart is sometimes the very one that heals it. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, all I have seen teaches me to trust the creator for all I have seen. Libba Bray says this, you can never really know someone completely. That's why it's the most terrifying thing in the world, really taking someone on faith, especially how many times you've been hurt. You know what I mean? That you're going to trust again. For those of you who don't know me, I was divorced at 24. It took me till 52 to let him in. 30 years. 30 years. It took till I could let someone in. Enough. Do you know what I mean? Enough. Oh, I got to finish that quote because I just breathed into it. <laughs> That's why it's the most terrifying thing in the world, really taking someone on faith, hoping they will take you on faith too. It's such a precarious balance. It's a wonder we do it at all. And yet, what choice do we have? What choice do we have? At the time I met him, it was the economy crashed, and I didn't have a business. I was pretty much bankrupt, and I did not know if I was going to hold on to my apartment because I couldn't pay my rent because I didn't have any work. Now, without what I had already known, I would not have opened that up to him and let him in. You don't meet somebody and then think that they're going to love you when your life is falling apart, right? <laughs> you know, I'm too much a burden. You can't take that on. You know, but he was stubborn. He was really stubborn. And I was really smitten. <laughs> and I was 52 and I couldn't lie anymore to anybody. And so I didn't. You know, and that fear of someone not wanting me because I was a mess was wrong. I was just wrong. I was who I was, and he loved me anyway. So I know what I'm saying is true. 
it is my experience that when I decided to be authentically who I was and tell the truth of my situation and where I was and how I felt about it, including the shame about it, even though it was my fault, <laughs> you know, love was standing in my road. And I had wanted that and asked for it and wished for it my whole life. And I was finally ready to surrender to it. And so here we are today. Pain feels like a fast stab wound to the heart. But then healing feels like the wind against your face when you are spreading your wings and flying through the air. We may not have wings growing out of our backs, but healing is the closest thing that will give us that wind against our faces. That's Joy Bell. She also says this, a star falls from the sky and into your hands. Then it seeps through your veins and swims inside your blood and becomes every part of you. And then you have to put it back in the sky. And it's the most painful thing you'll ever have to do and that you've ever done. But what's yours is yours, whether it's up in the sky or here in your hands. And one day, it'll fall from the sky and hit you in the head really hard. <laughs> and at that time, you won't have to put it back in the sky again. Oh, I chose this song. It's one of my favorite songs to sing um, for you today. And it's called, But the World Goes Around. Liza Minnelli sang it in this, the movie New York, New York, a long time ago. So, this is some truth, too. Sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're sad. Sometimes you lose every nickel you have, but the world goes around. Sometimes your dreams get broken in pieces, but that doesn't matter at all. Take it from me, there's still gonna be a summer, a winter. treating you bad but the world goes around and sometimes your heart breaks with a deafening sound somebody loses and somebody wins and one day it's kicks then it's kicks in the shins but the planet spins and the world goes around. But the world 
Sometimes your dreams get broken in pieces, but that doesn't matter at all. Take it from me, there's still gonna be a summer, a winter, a Forgiving, laughing, hugging, helping, dancing, wondering, healing, and even more loving. I choose to live life this way. I want to live my life in such a way that when I get out of bed in the morning, the devil says, oh, shoot, she's up. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 